Hello and welcome to the Hope and Anchor Community Church Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you the latest preaching from our Sunday services. We hope that as you listen, you encounter God, and you're encouraged to go deeper in your relationship with Him. Enjoy the message. Thank you so much. And we're going to have a really good one. The Lord is so good. Is the Lord good? Yeah? I didn't buy that one. Yeah, I'm sorry. Is the Lord good? Yeah, the Lord is extremely, I mean, good is a human word for something that we are emotionally, maybe mentally too weak to really comprehend how good he is, how vast he is. Today we're coming under the subject, time for disruption, and we're going to come out of Luke chapter 1. Are you ready? Luke chapter 1, are you ready? Let's stand for the reading of the word. It says in Verse 11 says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you are to call him John. Lord, thank you for your portion. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Context is Luke 1. We can be seated. (laughs) Or you can stay standing, whatever you want. It's up to you, maybe. Um, The sitting is for free. Luke 1 actually is is one of those chapters in the Bible that crosses several lines and is a pivotal time in history. Luke 1 really encompasses what is the, the birth of the one that preceded Jesus and foretells the, the, the birth of Jesus himself. So it's a very interesting moment that is actually kind of like it's redacted for us, it's transcribed uh, for us to be able to understand that God is the God of time. But we are in seasons, we are in a time of a lot of disruption. And such it was in that moment. These people that are, are experiencing this moment were part of a moment in the, in the people, in the, in the facilities, in the country that they were that was under a lot of persecution. I mean, they have come from being slaves. They have come from uh, physical slavery to emotional and cultural slavery. Many like us would probably think that all around the world right now, it is a fight to be free culturally. Like, we have been so intertwined in, and so mixed around because of the, the times that we live and the, the easy that it is for us to, to fly and to even engage with other cultures that sometimes we have mixed what our cultures are and maybe even col- giving culture the altar of our identity. Nowadays, you say to someone, where you come from? Africa. And I'm Puerto Rican, so like, if you look at my bone structure, I'm black, but I'm very white as well. You know what I mean? Like, I have the impetus and the tenacity of those that come from that region, but I, but I also have in me a lot of white. I don't know you, but me, I've been mixing colors for a long time. I'm a visual artist, so 
there's, there's a moment that a little drop of another color hits on that palette and then it can look completely different, but that was not what you were thinking. My grandma is darker than uh, most tires. Great grandma. Um, it depends on where your country and how clean it is as well. Because in my country, we, we, we have something that's called Almoral. You know, like it, it is kind of like a, like a grease that you make your, your tires shiny and black and beautiful. Here, don't make, yeah, no, you don't need it. You're losing your time. It rains. It's not gay. My country has a little bit more sun that we observe and perceive in the UK. So that lasts longer in that context. But in this context that we're talking about, we might be thinking, are we free? Are we free to think the way that we think? And that is challenged most days. That is challenged in your, uh, your social spectrum, your, your, your understanding of your reality morally, financially, sexually. I mean, this is a type of, of place that we can talk all about it. This is a place that we can talk. And this is exactly, if not more, what they're experiencing in the text. See, these people that are, are in the context of when this was written, they are smelling, they're smelling on their streets the, the fruits of slavery through crucifixion. I mean, I've been in Israel, I had the privilege to go with my family, and, and I saw the places that they will, they will use to, to crucify people. That was a, a form of torture and a, and a form of keeping the people of Israel enslaved to fear. So they will do it publicly, and they will leave it in the most concurrent corners of the streets of that area, so people will see if you disobey, then this will be the price to pay. And in a season more than ever that as believers we have to disobey the culture that has been generated around us, we need to know who we are. The people of Israel had one thing left. They had lost their territory. They had lost their rules and regulations. They had lost everything. If it was a thing, the people of Israel had lost all of it. But they still had God and their faith. And here we have Zechariah the priest. And most scholars would say he is the last goat. He's the last good priest. He's the last one that stood against a lot of things. He's the one that kept it right in front of the Lord. Even, even more, like he's saying, the Bible says a little bit before that, in the same chapter you can read that him and his wife had good reputation in front of God. They were counted by God as righteous. I don't know if you can say that about yourself. But the Bible says that God looked at this man and his wife and he said, I like you. I think you're cool with me. So I, love to, I would love to have that reputation in front of God. Maybe we, we don't know what God thinks of us. But God has a word for us today of good reputation, of good report. Zechariah, a man that looked good in front of God's eyes, was a man full of doubt and fear. For those of you that are perfect and you never had doubts this week and you never had fear of anything, this word is not for you. You can exit the building. This is only for the ones that are real and are able to say in front of God, you know, I've been afraid. 
I have doubts this week. I have doubted of your character. Father, I, I am one of those that has doubted, stained by my own iniquity and humanity. I stand. Lord, would you bless me still? That's Zechariah. How do I know that was his prayer? Because although he was doubting, he was turning on an altar of incense when it was due to be done. So the context is, Jesus is getting born. Baby, we're going to have a really good time. And before Jesus is born, we have a Zechariah's son that actually is saying, I am going to be that one that is going to be, you know, disrupting all the religious system. And I believe like never before we need a spiritual, an emotional, a social, a financial disruption. In everything, we need God to intervene. We need God. A disruption is something that takes radical turns. We need a radical turn in our belief system. The way that we systematically believe in God. A way we criticize in those that are sinners. Sinners are going to sin. That's what they do. Unbelievers, they're not going to believe. That's what an unbeliever means. Until God is not revealed into any of us, we will only be that. We count ourselves lucky today to be in a room. We are in the presence. A lot of people actually stay at home nowadays because they think they can get a word on a podcast, on a video, and it's the same. It's not the same. You got to be in the room. If you are not in the room, you don't know what it smells like. If you're not in the room, you would have not smelled the incense that Zachariah was actually talking and doing and he was presenting upon the Lord. The Bible says that the prayer of the saints is like incense that goes up in the presence of God. Incense. What a physical, but, but you need it more than your eyes to experiment, to experience, to go through the emotions with it. I personally don't, don't like a lot the smell to incense because I have a worldview. But if I, if I erase all that from my mind, I see the picture that he's trying to present. Incense is something that fills the air and it's like a perfume. It's a sweet perfume. And the Bible teaches us how the, the prayers of the just are like sweet perfume that goes up to his presence. And for us, it's important to keep that image. The Bible doesn't give us anything that we don't need. And this season, we need the image of every time we pray, God is receiving it as sweet smell that goes up. Thick, thick, sweet smell into his presence. God hears us. So the context is the priest and his wife. The priest and the wife are known by God like cool, like good people, like righteous people. And when God says that, that counts. Second, they're not only righteous, they're childless. In their culture, in the moment that we're standing, not to have a child was to be disgraced, was to be cursed. And how a man that looks so good into God's eyes or God looks at him with so much pleasure would be perceived as a, as a culture that is so limited in the understanding of the character of God as cursed. Sometimes we stand and we are taking external opinions of our lives so strong that they hinder us from understanding how blessed we are, how well we are seen in the eyes of God. 
We are measuring our strength and our reach, our strength and our reach according to the opinion of external things and not the truth of God. But God teaches us through this that even if it looks bad, you might be blessed. And you're just looking it on the wrong timing. We need God's time. We need God's time. Why do I say time? Because they were old. They didn't only have situations like you and me. It says, it teaches us. The Bible teaches us that his wife was barren. Barren, it doesn't have an age bracket. Barren is barren. You could be 15 or you could be 82. You're still barren. But she was old. So she had two negatives against the promise. We have seen this before. God waits until it's impossible for it to only glorify him and no one has his fingerprint on the blessing and the purpose and the promise. God says, it is my name that is going to be lifted up. So he has to look impossible and he has to look bad. So whatever area you have to present to God today that looks bad and impossible, bring it to the altar. Because that's where the angel is going to come and visit. If it looks bad, it needs God. Don't present to God anything that you can do yourself, that you should be doing. Do not insult the name of God praying for things that you could do. Have fear of God. Have reverence of God. Let your faith be so strong that you only present in the altar what is impossible. Have dignity in your life and your faith. The way you walk has to be like those that believed in God. Because it's only by belief that we get to be part with him. So first, let's not insult God with possibles. Bring a good impossible to the table. Just know that you have a place in the table. If you know you have a place in the table, use it right. If you're going to use it right, bring an impossible as a dish, as a main course to that dinner. God, this is what I brought, impossible. Only God can sit me at this table and only God can give me a place to remain. God. So let's have that reverence again. Can we ask God for that reverence again? Maybe in this house, maybe in your heart, maybe in your thoughts, maybe in your workplace. Can we have that reverence of God pierce through those situations and teach us how to believe again in the God of the impossible. When it looks bad, this is a moment. Aha! And I know who I can trust. And I know in whom I have put my faith on. And we love to sing about those. And then you are looking only for possibles to present. Show something difficult for his belt. Show something. Put yourself in such a situation that you are able to be blessed. Okay? So they were righteous, but with different perspectives on their lives. They were doing their job. They were burning the incense. They were, they were giving unto God what was due to God. But sometimes, even though you're doing the right thing, you don't have what you expect. And if we stay in that point and we're real, all of us will have to come to the altar today and say, I had expectations that you didn't meet and I have received the consequences of losing my trust in you. If we were honest, all of us have had moments that we have taken a little bit back. 
Well, the Lord knows. And we Christianize it, right? We use words in the Bible to feel all romantic about our stupidity and our lack of faith because we want to know. And we worship in the altar of knowledge what we should be praising in our belief. We're coming with hands full. Full of what? God is asking us. Still in the context, yeah. We are in the context of doubt and we're in the context of fear. Both of them are human normal emotions but what has become noble for them in this season we had to surrender this year god is asking us to have a transformed mind and for that we have to say luke is also teaching us like he has been teaching us the last sundays about how we discern god not only and we have to dissect that one because it sounds very big. How do we discern God? So you go home with that and you took good notes, discern God. But you don't know what the heck that means. And if you live to your own stress and situations, you will never take the time to ask God what the, does that mean. So God wants to break it a little bit down for us. Can we do that? Can we, can we expand on that? Can we go a little bit deeper? Yes, God, how do we discern his will? How we discern the will? How do we discern, discern the word? And thirdly, how do we discern his kairos? Kairos is God's times. When I said disrupting times, times for disruption, or time for disruption, it doesn't mean your, your watch. I love watches. It's a thing that I do with my dad. You know, he gives me watches. I criticize the watches that he gives me. That's it. That's what we do. He pays for them and I wear them. That's really good. It's a good bargain. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I have a bigger, bigger dad that is teaching me in the daily how to observe his times. You can get more money, but you cannot get more time. I want to discern God's will, God's word, and God's timing. And I not only want to discern it, I want to be able to exercise the right of a believer. Which right? To surrender. And if you want to really take good notes, surrender equals love. To anyone that has been in a relationship, even with a, a pet, you have to surrender your time because you love them. You, you, you have to surrender. So that's the moment that you actively put down your privilege for their purpose. God showed us how to do. God is love. Show me that in the Bible. Yes, for God so loved the world that he gave. He surrendered his own son. He surrendered himself for you and me. So surrender means love. You cannot say that you discern his will, his word, and you know his times if you are not willing to love. That means um, surrender. That's also in Greek means surrender. <laughs> so if you're going around it, you're never going to find another way. But if you really love God, you surrender like he did. 
So if the context of our life, the context of this year is asking us to know him deeper, to know his will, his word, and his times, and he is only teaching us through surrender, what does surrender mean? And in what categories we have to surrender? I'm glad you asked. Do you want to know? Do you really want to know? I mean, if you know, you know. You know, like... Like, you know, like those, those kind of like algorithms that people nowadays, this generation writes on, on this media, you know, if you know, you know. Like, and you're like, you, if you're my age, you're reading at them, it's like, is this person had a mistype? Is it a butt type? Or what, what is that? You know, what did they really write? You know what I mean? Like, if you know, you know. And, like, and it's like gibberish. But if you know, you know. You want to know? You want to know how to surrender or in what areas more? I should expand. You have to surrender. You want to know? Some of you guys live, look bored. Some of you look very excited, so I don't know what's going on in your life. But I'm worried more about the ones that look bored. How to surrender. If surrender equals love, where do we surrender? We surrender in our hearts. If you want to put that in biblical terms, Mark teaches us in chapter 12, verse 30, that is our soul. You got to surrender in your soul, in your inner being. In your real, real you. Not the one that kind of prays to God. Almighty God, Lord of the heavens and the winds and stars. No, no, no. Don't, don't come with that. There's no incense on that. That's a broken candle at the most. That's no light. That's a little flashlight from Poundland. You know what I mean? That's not real. Come with your broken self and that will have a sweet smell to God. Your soul. God is not weak that he cannot take your weakness. He understands. He became near because he can take your weight any day. Any day. So God says, surrender in your heart. Surrender in your body, in your physical. And if we're going to have to, what is bound to time? I don't know if you know, but I started noticing one of the strongest areas of my life that is bound to time is my body. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you have revelation on that? You know, the older you get, the more revelation you get, you know, of like time when is human time, not godly time, bounds your body. And what you could do 15 years ago, you cannot do now. Hello. You cannot sleep as much. Or as little, you cannot eat as much or as little. Man, you bless God for blinking. That's when you have revelation. Lord, thank you because I can blink at the same time. You know, like, Lord, have mercy of us. So we have to surrender our bodies as well. As living sacrifice, Paul will remind us. What are you using your body for? So we have our soul, heart. So we have our body, our time, our physical, but we also have to surrender our mind the way that we think. 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 Because there's so many thoughts going around trying to say that they're the truth, you know, perpetuating the, the biggest lie. I'm truth. The devil said in the first disagreement that is ever recorded between man 
And God, God was not involved. It was man. Only involved. And what did they do? They believe a thought. Because the devil has no revelation to give you. He only has arguments. Watch your heart from arguments this year. This is not a season to harvest arguments. It's the season to know the heart of God. Discern his will. Discern his word. And know his timing. And for that, we only get to that secret place through surrender. Oh, thank you, God, for reminding me. You know why? The Bible is very graphical, as we all know. You know why Zachariah was next to the altar? Because he was in the holy place of the tabernacle or the area of the temple that was depicting that of the tabernacle before. So he had gone through the other altars and brazen things and all that jazz where all the people could be. But he, because he was the priest, he, and he was observed by God to be a man of righteousness, he was in the place of the altar of incense. That's just before you enter to eternity, sorry, to the presence of God. It's a depiction for us to know that as we hear from God, we are in that bronze area, you know, in that area that we're just saying, hey, I like the idea. I like Jesus on my, on my sexuality, but I don't like it on my finances. You know what I mean? He's asking too much for me. He's asking for the 10%. Then you go to a next altar and you start noticing that he left you with the 90%. Oh, how good. And you start understanding. Revelation. Ah, wunderbar. That God really owns everything. But he gave you 90. Wow. And he just used the 10 to create a relationship of reciprocity. That you will need to know when you want to have a dog, a cat, a fish, a, a wife, a son, a daughter, a neighbor. You need to learn how to walk in reciprocity. God teaches us. Because God is so humble that he's able to come to our level. The level of our need and the level of what we don't get. So this is just a tabernacle where we meet with God. And then you go to the holy place where the priest will come. And there's, a, and there's a bunch of them that can come in. And to the holies of holies, that's the last one. That's when you go to see the big boss. It will only be one, the high priest. So Zechariah is next to that place that is of incense. It's a holy place. No, everyone could come, but he looked good in God's eyes. I want to tell you some truth. As we walk with God, all of you here, as you decide for Jesus and you believe, you come into the holy place. You have access. You're still not in eternity, so don't worry about seeing the big boss yet. But you should be burning something already. Your thoughts should be that incense that burns in front of God, that is smelled by God, that angels say, Oh, my God, they're thinking. And they're like about God is going to bless them. He's going to send us to say something like Gabriel was. Are we making this plain? Are you getting it? Yeah. Can I hear anything? Because these lights don't allow me to see anything. Amen. So as we surrender, we yield. 
That's one of the biggest words for us as a congregation this year. I'm not going to get tired of saying what God said to me. This is a year to yield. What does that mean? Thank you for all the question. Is to produce or to provide. This is a year that God is giving us the strength, the wherewithal, the wisdom, the stamina to produce and to provide. What is this year about? To produce and to provide. What do we produce? We produce atmospheres of holiness. Open heavens walk with us. And what is that that we produce and provide? Jesus. Through open heavens, we provide Jesus in everything that we do. So this year, as we discern, we're able to surrender and we're able to harness the power of yielding to God. To stay close. If you stay close, you produce and you provide. You produce and you provide. If you have intimacy, you provide insight. You understand? It's a year to produce and to provide. And if we, and if we, we live the manifestation of God, not the manifestation of our worries, not the manifestation of whatever we thought we owned. We live the manifestation of the glory of God. We know that God is everywhere. But most, in, most of us don't remember when was the last time that we experienced the manifestation of the glory of God. Well, Chris, that's not biblical. Let me teach you. Well, Zachariah the priest, the one that looked really, 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 really good in front of God's eyes, right? He was doing something without having a belief system that is in place. He was actually burning incense up to God, doing what is religious, coming to hope and anchor. Zachariah would be right there. Actually, really right there. But, but he didn't have the fruits of belief. He had the fruits of fear. So you could be doing the right thing still under the bond, the, the bondage of fear. God wants us to be free to break loose from that spirit of fear that surrounds us day in and day out. Have you seen the news? There's a storm tomorrow. You might have to take a plane. I said to God, this is a real story. I said to God, just coming. I said, like, I'm so glad there's a storm. Now I get to see you one more thing. I mean, don't get me wrong, God. I, want, I really want to get out to the other side, you know. I don't want to see you that close. Let's say like that. But let's stay in the holy place, you know. <laughs> but I still want to see what he does in front of wind because I still serve the God that shuts the waters and stops the wind. So storm, oh storm, here he comes. UK, brace yourself to see a bigger hand. A bigger story, a bigger spectrum. God, your will be done. So we relax. I want to live without being bound by fear. I don't know you. I have read in a book, maybe this one, that it says that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of being adopted. So I can come to dad. And say, Lord, 
Father, you know what I don't know. And you see what I don't see. Can I experience your will, your word, and your time? You prepare my heart, Lord. I'm weak, but you said that I could say I am strong. I'm there. Are you there? Are you there? So I want to see his glory manifest. I believe this year is going to demand from us. Heaven, as I said, has a demand on your case. He's demanding from what he has invested. It's time to walk the walk. Even if you're afraid. This is so good. I want to I go and YouTube this one myself, you know. I probably need it in the middle of the week, you know. So, Father, what does your glory do for us? Because when God shows up, he manifests. Something happens. It's like having that friend, that brother, that sister that walks into the room. And when they walk into the room, you feel it. It is even better, the presence, manifest the presence of God. What does it do? It does something to the atmosphere. When that person that you like walks into the room, oh, my God, you even walk taller. You know what I mean? You can lift even more. You know what I mean? Like when your wife asks you if you can do something, you do it even faster. Only that. Can I do also this? You know, like when someone that you admire, that you love, Walks into the room, you present the best. And you know they're bringing who they are. Are we that people? That has always been our question. But maybe today's, it's time for us to think, what do we think of God? What happens in the room when God walks into the room? I remember the days that I, I used to talk big and know little or a lot less than now. And I left church when I was younger because I didn't see even a headache leaving the room. And I said, God, I don't see you. So if I don't see a headache leaving the room, you're not there. I said to God, I was bold like that and ignorant like that. But I was right. Actually, it was out of ignorance, but I was right. You can be an ignorant, but you could be right. With God, if you're right, you are right with God. Look at Zechariah. He was doubting. He was still burning the incense, leading the people on the procession of praise and prayer. But full of doubts, full of fears. So that's the context. Today, God doesn't want us to stop on the manifestation. He wants us to understand that the manifestation comes to enable us. To give us the ability. To give us the ability. You could have the gift, but if you don't put it to good use, if you dig a hole in the ground and put it there, it's not going to do anything for you. God wants us to be able to live what he is through his glory enabling us to do. What is your gift? Don't hide it. Give it. 
provide and produce. Yield this year. Yield because you are enabled by his glory. And what is enabling? In what it affects? It brings transformation. And that sounds very big. That means you change. But you cannot change by your own strength and your own understanding. You have to come blank in front of God and say, you know what? Even if I understand the letter, I might not understand your heart. So I humbly come because I need to be transformed by your will. I need to be transformed by your word. And I need to be transformed by your time. I need transformation. So we discern to be able to be enabled. In transformation, second part of being enabled, we are enabled to restoration. And that is not a big term to say, to say healing. Although in some cases, this is going to be affecting us physically. Some of us will need physical restoration. Some of us will need emotional and psychological restoration this year. Some of us are asking God, why do I have these feelings? Why do I react about these things in such a way? Father, I put my hand up. When your glory visits my life, I'm not only going to be transformed in all of these other areas. I am going to be restored. I'm not going to show the weight and the wounds of yesterday in everything I do and how I'm able to translate your love, your presence, your understanding. Father, this year, transformation and restoration. This is what the Lord said to me, to say to us. And third, and with this one we close. We're enabled to walk in holiness. What a beautiful ending, no? Woo! The weaker you feel, the better he uses you. Someone has noticed. This year, he enables us to walk in holiness. You know these areas that you have forever feel ashamed, that you've taken to God so many times this year. Say to someone next to you, this year. No, no, no. Say to someone else, this year. Maybe, maybe stand around. Say it to someone behind you. Stand if you need to. Say to someone. Shout to someone if you need to. If your soul needs to shout, shout to your own soul. Shout it. These people are like English people. They shout like, hey, we have a live one there. God this year enables us to walk in holiness. And holy means separated to his accord, separated, separated for his will, separated by no knowledge and revelation of his word. And the word is a man. And the man, the word became flesh. The man is Jesus, Jesus Christ. Separated by Jesus for goodwill, for good works, for good steps, for good outcomes, for breakthrough, for God to be through us, known across the nation and the nations, separated, restored, transformed, and walking in him. Separated in him, restored in him, transformed by him and through him. It's time for disruption. 
I think all of us can agree that there is a disruption that is external. But we serve a God that in the midst of an external disruption and how he helps us on that one. Once or is more interested on disrupting us inside. He's more interested in us surrendering equals love. Surrendering equals love. Love, surrender, mind, body, spirit. God with us. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to share how God is speaking to you through this message, let us know on any of our social media platforms. Make sure to visit our website, hopeandanchor.org, for more information on who we are as a church and to find out how you can be part of the Hope and Anchor family. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.